Happy Mother's Day. Ooh, bring this. Hope I don't fall. All right. I'm here. It's been a year. <laughs> no, I'm so happy. It's one. This is an exciting day for a lot of reasons. Um, I'm not only up here today to share God's word with you, but Amanda and I are going to be, sh be ministering together today. And what an honor and a privilege. Um, God has given me some incredible gifts in my life, and some of those best gifts are within my children. Those that he gave through me, through me, and those that he brought into my life, um, hand placed. And I'm so grateful that, um, I, you know, it's funny because I don't think of myself as kind of a typical mom. My kids know that I'm not really the emotional parent. That's their dad. Um, so, but when they need something done, I'm the one that they call, you know, and uh, they know that I'm willing to get in there and get my hands dirty, you know. So, but uh, God is good. He's been faithful. And I just want to, I'm just so happy you're here today. I want to encourage you, ladies, all ladies, make sure you stop by the table as you leave. This is our gift to you today. Pick whichever one you want. Hannah has a beautiful business, and she has partnered with us this year to be, this is our gift to you. So please go select something. You're going to love it. Take it home. I wear them all the time. Hannah blesses me, and uh, I just know you're going to love this gift. So take that gift home with you and, and just enjoy it, and just remember how much we love you here at Grace. Uh, today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite books in the Bible, I personally love the books with the name of women on them. I think they're pretty fantastic, and I'm glad that God gave us some of those in his word. And I want to encourage you, if you've never read the book of Ruth, to take time to read it this week. It's a short book, four chapters, but man, there's a good story in there. And so I just want to encourage you to really dive into uh, God's word. And as we talked about last year when we talked about Esther, there's some incredible truths that you find within the Word of God, and they're not always obvious truths. So sometimes you have to read, and I encourage you, you know, to Google things. If you're not really sure what something means, Google it or look into your, your study Bible and learn a little bit more about what that means or what does that really, what other kind of understanding can you bring from that verse or that scripture to understand that time. And so that's one thing I love about God's Word is it's kind of like this onion in a good sense, you peel, you just keep peeling, and there's just more and more. And every time you read something, something new comes alive. And it was funny, when I first started putting this message together, I talked to Amanda. We, we started off with this being something about mentorship. Because I'm old and she's young, you know? I'm wise and she's not. So, you know. But then as I read it and started thinking about it, then I thought, you know what? This isn't a story about, like, Mentorship. This is a story about a woman with some grit. Because I feel like I'm a woman with some grit. So I really related to what was happening in the story. But as I really started putting the message together, what I saw was a story of restoration and a story of redemption, not just for Naomi, but for her daughter-in-law, Ruth, as well. And I believe that story today is for us. So I want to encourage you to do something today. I want you to open your heart, to open your spirit to what God wants to say to you, because I know he has something for you today. Do not leave here today empty-handed. Be ready to receive all that God has for you. So we're going to start today in the book of Ruth, chapter 1, reading, starting with verse 1 through verse 7. It says, In the days when there were judges, when the judges ruled, 
there was a famine in the land. And a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elamech, and his wife's name was Naomi. And the names of their two sons were Malon and Kilion. And they were Ephrathites from Bethlehem of Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elamech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpha and the other Ruth. And they lived there for about ten years. And then both Malon and Kilion also died. And Naomi was left without two sons and her husband. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. And together with her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to Judah. So a few things we learn about Naomi in these few chapters, I mean these few verses. One, we know she was a wife. We know that she was from Bethlehem, which was a part of Judah. We know that she had two sons. We know that during the famine in Judah, that her and her husband took their two children and they left to go to the country of Moab. We know that they were Ephrathites, which means that they were basically from the region, the southern part of Bethlehem. We learned in verse 3 that her husband died and she was left with two sons. And her two sons married, Orpha and Ruth. And then after two years, we know, ten years, we know that both her sons died and she was left without her sons and husband. And then we see that Naomi and her husband, Naomi, when Naomi and her husband decided to leave Judah, this was during a time of famine. And if you read historically, this famine was a pretty severe famine that lasted around 10 years. If you think about it, in a sense, they were running from something, something kind of difficult. A famine really is very devastating to to a, a country. And so in a sense, they decided to leave when it was difficult and go to Moab. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? Have you ever been guilty of running when it gets a little hard or kind of turning and you're going the other direction when things get a little tough? How many of you have ever joined the gym and gone (coughs) a few times and then not gone again but paid for the membership for the next year? I've done that a few times in my life. But as we've all learned, easy is not always easy. During these years that they lived in Moab, Naomi lost all that she had. What we see here is a woman who was heavily affected by tragedy, by loss, by famine, and without a future. But in the midst of her sorrow, in verse 6, she learns that God has come to the aid of his people in Judah. So she makes the bold decision that she will return back to Judah. And something interesting that I read about Judah, Judah means praise. So spiritually speaking, she was returning back to her praise. In the pursuit of being easy, things getting easy, she had lost her praise. So we read in verse 20, as she enters the gate, as she returns back, to Judah. When she enters the gate, it says that the women, when they arrived in Bethlehem, that the town was stirred because they exclaimed, 
can this be Naomi? So they knew who she was even after 10 years. And Naomi says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Seems like she kind of knows how to make an entrance, doesn't she? Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Mara means bitter. Naomi means sweet. She left Judah sweet, but she came back bitter. The circumstances of her life, the tragedy, the loss, the situations in her life had caused her to become bitter. You almost hear her having a little bit of a pity party. Call me Mara because the Almighty has dealt with me and has made me bitter. Bitterness is defined as anger and disappointment at being treated unfairly. I left full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. We see that Naomi is not returning to Judah the way that she left. Sweet is returning bitter. What do we do when we lost our future, our purpose, our praise? For Naomi, she was determined to return to Judah, even if she had to return as Mara. She was ready to go just as she was. How did she get to this place of bitterness? How did it happen? Did it happen overnight? I don't think so. I think it happened over a period of, of those 10 years. And in the book of the Institute of Basic Life Principles, it's a really great story about just how that within this book, there are basic life principles that we all live by and should live by. And it says in that book, it reads, when a believer does not depend on God to meet his or her daily needs, their love for God can grow cold. Jesus addressed this same issue when he spoke to the church of Ephesus. And Jesus said, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou hast fallen and repent and do the first works. And here Jesus is telling us to do three things. He is telling us to remember, to repent, and to do the first works. To remember. What does that mean to remember? What are we to remember? We are to remember that experience. And when we made our first decision to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of our life. Do you remember that moment? I do. I was eight years old standing in the church that my dad pastored. And I was the only child in that whole church, believe it or not, the only child. And they would let, the youth group would let me kind of hang around with them. And I remember we were standing in this circle, and the youth leader asked a question. She said, does everyone here, have you all asked Jesus into your heart? And all of a sudden, it, I realized I had never done that before. And I, at eight years old, the, the realization that I wanted Jesus into my life all of a sudden just was something I wanted to do. And I remember raising my hand and saying, I haven't, but I want to. And so she prayed with me, and then she took me to my mom and told her that we had prayed and that I had accepted Jesus into my life, that I made that decision. So when I get down and distraught in my life or I feel like things are falling apart, I remember back to that time when I was eight years old, and I felt God's love, and I felt his presence in my life. 
we have to take time to recall and to remember that first love, those moments when you have felt yourself in God's presence. The second thing Jesus told the church of Ephesus was to repent of their indifference to God. The interesting thing about repentance is that it is an action word. And to repent means you have to turn from your sin. That you have to literally make an intentional move to move away from it. And so when Jesus is telling them to repent against their indifference to God, this was something that, that Naomi made a decision to do. She decided that she would change her direction and move back to Judah. Sometimes in life, we have to be intentional. We have to make that decision that life is not working and I need to, do, I need to change my direction. I need to begin to walk a different way because this way is not leading to life. And I need to make it, I need to repent to God about the things that I've decided in my life that have been against or indifferent to him. It's an intentional step. So Jesus tells us to repent. And lastly, he tells us to remember to do the first works. Well, before we can do the first works, we have to understand what it means to do the first works, the purpose of it. This is getting your priorities back in order. This is not waiting for life to be perfect or for the planets to align, but this is a decision today, today, that regardless of the shape or the condition or the situation of your life, that today that God is going to be first in your life, that you will put him above and beyond all things, that he will be first, that you're going to make your priorities right. That that's what it means to do the first to, to do the good works. Matthew six thirty three says, "But seek ye first, but seek ye first His kingdom. Seek ye first His kingdom, and His righteousness." Naomi started by remembering Judah, and then as she heard the news that God's presence was there, she set out to change her direction. And turning herself towards Judah and finally getting her priorities back in order, she didn't wait until she lost those 10 pounds. She didn't wait until she found a new husband. She didn't wait until she got a new job. No, she got up and she left in, in her current state, which was bitter. Well, today we're going to talk about, Amanda and I are going to share three things that we learned from Naomi and Ruth. And the first thing that I want you to, to put in your notes is that God continues to move even during our hardships. It's easy to feel abandoned and when we feel disappointed by God or when tragedy strikes or when life has not turned out the way we planned. You know, I have two sisters, and, um, you know, my mom did a great job of really leading us down that path of understanding and keeping our priorities focused on God. And two, both of my sisters this past year have gone through some incredible, incredible things. One sister has had found out she had cancer, has gone through chemotherapy and radiation. And I'm happy to say that she's still alive and well. But through this whole journey, she never gave up her faith or her fight, knowing that God does work all things together for the good of those that love and trust him. And then just yesterday, my older sister, their house burned, and they lost everything, everything. And 
I just, you know, I can tell you, though, that even in the, in the face of losing everything, she's not lost her faith in God. She's not lost her, her trust in God. She's not lost her joy, and she has definitely not lost her praise. That she understands that even in tragedy, even in hard circumstances, even in difficulties, that God is still moving and that he is still doing a work. And that we, she understands that truth. We don't understand or realize that even in these moments, God is still moving. Naomi was not able to see how God was moving. She was not aware of what God was starting, what he was, the work he was doing in her life by her just simply starting to open up her heart to Ruth. If you want to open up your word again to Ruth 1, 8 through 22. But on their way, Naomi said to her daughter, two daughter-in-laws, go back to your mother's homes and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to, and to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with uh, security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we want to go with you and your to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who can grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes for I am too old to marry again, and even if it is possible, <laughs> I cannot get married and tonight and bear sons. Then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. Again, <laughs> and again they wept together, and... Um, uh, Orpha kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave. and uh, Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. So when uh, Naomi saw Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So the two of them continued on their journey. And when they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is this really Naomi, the woman asked? Naomi returned to Moab accomplished, uh, sorry, accompanied by her daughter-in-law, Ruth, the young Moabite woman, and they arrived in Bethlehem in late spring at the beginning of the barley harvest. So the second point that we're going to learn from Ruth and Naomi is that we can help others in difficult situations. And um, I think we have to go back a little bit and learn a little bit about Ruth as well. So what do we know about Ruth <laughs> from these passages? And First, we know she's Naomi's daughter-in-law. She's a Moabite woman, so she's from a different culture. She has different customs, and she doesn't know the God Naomi knows. Her husband has died, and she's become a widow, just like Naomi. And she was married for around 10 years. <laughs> um, and that her she had a sister-in-law named Orpha. And the last thing we know about her is that she made a choice to follow Naomi. Uh, in this part of the story, we understand that Ruth and Naomi share the same pain and the loss of a spouse and change in their identity. So they have a lot of similarities. Ruth has lost her husband, who was her provider and the one who was caring for her. Um, 
And she's lost that identity as a wife. She's no longer a wife. She's a widow. But in that, <laughs> she decides to make a choice to follow Naomi. And Naomi isn't her blood. This isn't her actual mother. It's her mother-in-law. So for those of you who have a mother-in-law, you know it's, it's a lot different relationship than you have with your own mother. So for her to follow Naomi is a really big deal. <laughs> she gave up everything she knew, and she gave up the chance to get married again uh, with her people and security and what was comfortable, comfortable to her. And um, so Ruth's commitment to her mother-in-law is, is really astonishing and beautiful because she is making the large sacrifice by starting over again in a new place uh, and securing a good and leaving the life that where she could have secured a good life for herself. Where again, like I said, she's this is where she's from. She could have stayed there. She could have gone back to everything she knew and not given a second thought to her mother-in-law. But what we can, what can we learn from Ruth and why she made this decision? So the first is that I believe that Ruth loves Naomi. <laughs> this we can see from the verse 14 when Ruth says, "Don't ask me to leave you, <laughs> or to turn back, because where you go, I will go." Where you live, I will live. <laughs> Where you die, I will die, and so forth. I mean, those are some powerful words just to say that to someone that you barely know um, or don't have a deep bond with. So I believe Ruth, she does love Naomi as a mother. And the second we learn is that Ruth saw something in Naomi <laughs> and uh, that made her want to leave the life she had grown up in for good. She recognized the obedience and faith in Naomi that, um, that Naomi had in God and wanted to live the life like Naomi. So she was leaving behind everything she'd grown up, everything she knew to follow after Naomi's God <laughs> because she could see that Naomi had, was going to be obedient and faithful and God was going to take care of her. So Ruth was allowing herself to be mentored by Naomi and follow and start this new identity. So as we read on in Ruth chapter 2, verse uh, 2 through 9, it says, One day, Ruth the Moabite woman said to Naomi, Let me go into the harvest field and pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me. Naomi replied, All right, daughter. All right, my daughter. Go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather again in the behind the harvesters, and as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, a relative of her father-in-law, Imelech. So again, that's Naomi's husband. <laughs> so while she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, the harvester replied. Then Boaz asked his foreman, who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, she is the young woman from Moab who came with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. And she has been working hard ever since except for a few minutes to rest in shelter. So Boaz went over to Ruth. He said, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us as you gather grain. Don't go to any other fields. Stay right behind the young women working in the field and see which part of the field they are harvesting. Then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly, and, as they, uh, and when you are thirsty, help yourself to water they have drawn from the well. So what do we learn from these passages about more about Ruth? And it's Ruth, she goes to work in the field <laughs> to gather food for her and Naomi. So she's taking care of Naomi <laughs> as a daughter would take care of her mother. 
Um, she's, it's revealing that their relationship has changed and it's grown deeper. And I don't think it's just on Ruth's part, but we see it as for Naomi as well, who was bitter. She's allowing herself to be taken care of. And she's allowing Ruth to be taking taking care of her. And so she's accepting her as her daughter. And the second thing we learn that Ruth meets Boaz, a relative of Naomi's husband, who not only allows her to gather grain in his field, but to gather it along with his his the women that are working in there. So not behind them like she was where she was grabbing little scraps here and there, what she could find. He's saying, go with them. And she's able to get more food than she than her and Naomi need. So this is important to the story because Naomi doesn't say to Ruth in the passages, hey, um, oh, daughter, you're going to go work in the fields? Cool. You should go to Boaz's fields because I know him. I'm, you know, we're related. If we're close, he's going to take care of you. No, that doesn't happen. <laughs> Instead, this is a, we learn that this is a moment that God has planned for Ruth and Naomi to provide for them. Not only is she allowed to gather scraps behind, left behind by these women, but Boaz, like I said, he's allowing her to go with the workers and gather more than what she needs. So God's taking care of them, and he's fulfilling their needs. God's goodness and faithfulness to these two women is revealed in this moment. And later in the story, uh, Naomi realizes what's happening between Boaz and Ruth, that he has feelings for her, and she's she takes her under her wing and she walks her through the customs of how to become engaged and get married. And uh, Boaz becomes their kinsman redeemer. And Ruth and him have a son together. By Naomi following, um, sorry, by following Naomi, Ruth's li- whole life has changed in the best possible way. It's amazing how just one decision, one choice can change your life forever. So how does this connect to we can help others in difficult moments? See, both these women were in difficult situations. They both lost their husbands, their families, their identities (laughs) that they had known as wives, and honestly, their hope and their way. But what we can take from Ruth and Naomi's story is that we can help others in difficult moments, even when we're caught in our own pain, and we can help others. Both these women shared loss and could have gone their separate ways. They didn't have to, you know, be (laughs) together. They could have gone, you know, Ruth could have gone back to her family, and Naomi could have gone back to Judah, and there wouldn't be no story. (laughs) It would be the end right there. Um, And they would never have thought about each other. But the day that Ruth decided to follow Naomi, they both opened their hearts to each other. It says in the previous passage that when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. How many of you know when a woman, (laughs) when you're determined to do something for your mother (laughs) or to help her, if she says nothing after you've pushed and pushed and she doesn't push you away, it's, it's a big deal. It means she's accepting you. So instead of pushing Ruth away and focusing on her pain and grief, Naomi was helping Ruth. She was taking her in as her own daughter and mending her and leading her to God. Their story reminds me so much of myself and about seven years ago, which is crazy, um, my father-in-law passed away, and it was just devastating. <laughs> it, he was the caretaker, the provider, and honestly, the glue that held um, my husband's fa- family together, held all of us together. And I remember seeing the pain it caused my husband. Uh, he was just my fiancé at the time, and, um, and, and the family. Just, it was 
again, he was the one who took care of the bills, took care of everything. And um, I just remember thinking at the time, I'm just, you know, the fiance, God, like, what can I do? <laughs> How can I help? How can I be assistant? How can I do something that will benefit everyone in the family and just uplift them and encourage them? And um, at the time, my husband and I were both going to school to finish our bachelor's degree. <laughs> And he was closer to finishing than I was. And I remember God just telling me, you're going to have to take, you're going to have to make a sacrifice. <laughs> and, you know, it, 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 that was very hard to do because I was, you know, in my head, I'm like, oh, I just got to finish. I just got to finish. And so I did. I, I, I listened to the Lord. I was very obedient. And I, I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to take a step back. And, and in that season, I was able to help plan the wedding. I was able to encourage him to graduate and um just be there for the family whenever they needed someone. And, uh, you know, I don't regret that decision any day <laughs> now that I look back. I don't because I, I was able to finish. That's, the end, you know, the good end of the story. But um, I, I just, I remember that, you know, how this sacrifice felt like such a big deal, but it has set the tone of my life. It set the tone of my marriage and the love that we have for each other, the sacrificial love. And uh, I think about Ruth, how, you know, she made a sacrifice to leave what she knew behind and, and how Naomi made a sacrifice to stop being bitter for a moment and to accept Ruth and love her. And I know Ruth doesn't regret that decision, that she made a choice to help her mother-in-law out of love, and she knew that it would cost her her own future. Her sacrifice was seen by God, and through that sacrifice, she stepped into a life she could have never dreamed or imagined for herself. When Naomi accepted Ruth, she was allowing for Ruth to care for her, and that changed her path as well. So by choosing to help Naomi, she was choosing to let go of her pain and following God. technology and I'm old school. <laughs> the last thing that we learn from Naomi, the story of Naomi and Ruth, is that God redeems the lost. Naomi thought that her family line had ended. She tells her daughters-in-law that she has she will to go back home. There's no way I'm going to have more sons, so you might as well go back home and find find a new mate. She was only seeing the loss, but what she didn't know is that God was not finished. She had went back to Judah because she had heard that God was moving. And she had heard that there was hope once again in Judah. Sometimes the thing that gets us moving is not the lasting thing that God wants to do in our life. For the prodigal son, it was acknowledging his current situation that he was hungry. For Naomi, it was realizing that she didn't have any hope. The why doesn't matter. What's important is that we start moving towards God. Naomi knew that she couldn't stay in Moab. She understood that going back to Judah would not, would not change the fact that she was a widow and childless. But she decided that she would rather be bitter in than to stay in Moab. And what did change was her location. She journeyed back to the presence of God, and if anyone could change her or help her or give her hope, 
it was going to be the Almighty. Her choice to return was returning to her first love. In his love, there is hope. There is a future. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but plans to give you a future. In Ruth 4, 13 through 22, the last chapter of the book, it says, So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And then he went to her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. And the women said to Naomi, she's back to Naomi, she's not Mar anymore, so she's changed. It says, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your for who is better and your daughter in law who is who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her lap and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed, and he was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David. And if you read on into the New Testament, you'll see that this is the line that Jesus came from. So what was broken and devastated and seemed hopeless, God had a bigger plan. And you know, he's the only one. He's the only one that can take something that seems so messed up and broken and fractured. He's the only one that can bring something incredible out of it. And today, you know, when I read about this these, in these four chapters, I read about this woman, Naomi, who wasn't perfect. She was a woman who, in the midst of her grief and her despair, she remembered the God of her yesterday. She remembered Judah, and she remembered her praise. And then she repented, and she changed her direction, and she turned to go back to her praise. She changed to move, this yet moving back to where she had come from. And then she began to do the first works, and she began to put God first back into her life. Not waiting for life to get perfect, but instead she, she leads this young, strong-willed woman with her down this path of redemption and restoration. Not knowing the how or the why, but knowing that her only hope was to return. She had heard that God had come to the aid of his people and that that is where she wanted to be. That's where she wanted to go. And what about you today? Where are you? What kind of hardships in your life and disappointments and tragedies are you dealing with that life has brought you? What have you run away from? But what have you heard? Maybe today is the day that you begin to remember. Maybe today is the day that you repent. Maybe today is the time for you to stop making excuses and begin putting God first in your life. Even in bitterness, Naomi recognized that she had to return to Judah. She knew that her chance of a future was to get back to her praise. Even if she was, even if she had to pick up her empty, broken, despaired self, she had to get back on that road back to Judah. And what about you? Have you lost your purpose? What's going on in your life that maybe has pushed you away 
from the presence of God. I'm going to ask Amanda and Austin to come as they prepare. I just want you to take a moment to think about where you are right now in your life and what's going on. I think sometimes we tend to make excuses for ourselves. And I think sometimes through these excuses, we... We, we continue to allow there to be a separation between us and God. And I'm not saying that this doesn't mean that you don't love God. Because I think that, I think Naomi always loved God. I just think that she had, had allowed there to become this separation between her and that praise that she had once experienced. And what had, what had filled that space was, was running from something that was hard. It was, it was losing her spouse was losing her sons. It was allowing disappointment to become greater than hope, to become greater than faith, to become greater than his love. But one day she began, when she heard that God was moving again in Judah, it reminded her, maybe at that moment when she was a young child, that maybe her mom and dad led her in a prayer, or that maybe she identified with, with who the Almighty was. But she began to remember something about herself that she had forgotten. Something that she had just maybe pushed aside, feeling like that she didn't deserve that anymore. But instead she decided, you know what, I would rather be a widow and be in Judah than to be a widow left here in Moab. At least there I know what I know that God is moving. And if there is a hope, that's where I want to be. And I want to encourage you today. I feel like that something that God wants to do today is to remind you that he loves you. And that no matter what has happened in your life that has discouraged you, that he is still working, that he is still moving, and that he still wants to use you, even though you don't feel like your life is completely together, he still wants to use you right now in this moment. And that he wants to bring restoration and healing back into your spirit. Back, he wants to bring joy back into your heart. He wants to bring purpose back into your life. And so what we're going to do today is they sing. And this is like, I feel like this is my anthem song if I was to have one. It's, it's the song is the goodness of God. Because I feel like that in my 55 years of living, can honestly say that I've experienced sadness and I've experienced despair. I've experienced tragedy. I've experienced loss. I've experienced disappointment. But I've also experienced his love and his grace and his forgiveness and his hope and his, his love and his goodness in my life. And I wouldn't trade that for anything. I wouldn't trade it for anything. So we're going to have prayer today. And what I want you to do is if you're at one of those places in your life, I'm going to have some of the women from the church come, and they're going to stand in the front. And I want you to come for prayer. And I know sometimes it's like, oh, I don't want to go to the front. That's embarrassing. You know what? I'm at the point in my life where I don't care. You see me down here. I'm all crazy during the worship. I'm just at that point where I don't care. I really, I'm just at, I like, I want to be who I want to be. I want to be real 
people in God's presence. I don't have to impress anybody. I'm here for Him. I'm here for Him alone. And if I want to raise my hands, if I want to jump, it looks beautiful in my mind. It's ugly, I'm sure, to everybody else. But I don't care because I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for Him. So I want to encourage you today, if that is you and God is speaking to you, do not let the enemy take this from you. You get up and you change your direction today and you take those steps and you say, God, here I am. Here I am in my disappointment. I'm here, right here. Here I am in my despair. Here I am in my sorrow. Here I am in my loss. Here I am in my grief. Here I am, God. Lord, here I am. I'm here for you today. I'm here. And God, right now in my state of bitterness, God, I'm just going to come to you. Because I want my praise. I want to be back in the spirit of my praise. I want to receive.